we've basically gone through Philippians and, um, you know, we finished going through the text and then we came back and we did a couple of weeks uh, kind of follow up looking more specifically at a few verses that we didn't really um, concentrate as much on as I wanted to. Uh, last week we looked because our theme has been the fellowship of the gospel. Remember last time we looked at just what the unabridged gospel is. And we talked about the problem of the truncated gospel and how that has been uh, really uh, one, of the, one of the reasons why uh, the church compromised on the race issue. And so that's what we talked about last time. But, but today, like I said, um, I just want to look at some words to remember from Philippians. Now, this isn't everything. Um, I, you know, I, I think I ended up with eight different verses and I kept thinking, oh no, I should do this verse and that verse, but uh, we only have so much time. So we'll probably be a little bit hard pressed to even get through the eight. So I want to go through these verses once again and I want to, you know, lightly touch on them and expound on them a little bit. But what I mainly want to encourage us with today is just this whole idea of remembering. Now, uh, Cheryl read the first Psalm and, you know, those first three verses, uh, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and his law they meditate day and night. Uh, that person's going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. They're going to bring forth their fruit in their season. The leaf is not going to wither. Whatever they do, it's going to prosper. I love Psalm 1. And, but there's also other passages that say similar things. So um, in Joshua, there's that great passage that says, this book of the law. And, and when it says the book of the law, you know, the word law, Torah, means instruction. So it's not just talking about the first five books of Moses. At the time of Joshua, it was, because that's all there was. Uh, but it's talking about the entirety of God's word. So this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That's very similar to what we read in the first psalm. And perhaps David, when he was penning that first psalm, he was thinking about what um, Joshua had penned there because, of course, Joshua would have uh, been there as part of the, uh, the scriptural uh, text at, at the time of David. And, but, it, but that passage says, but you shall meditate in it day and night, and then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. And, you know, prosperity and success here is not like you're going to make a bunch of money and you're going to be famous and all of that, but it's talking about a prosperity of the soul. But then in the 119th Psalm, we have this, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So again, hiding God's word in our heart, that's the, that's the memorization point. And then in Colossians chapter three, and by the way, I think this is what I wanted to mention. Uh, we're going to be going into Colossians for our next study, and that's going to start next week. And eventually we'll get to chapter three, verse 16, that says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so, scripture memorization, that's what I want to encourage you in today. Um, 
scripture memorization is one of the greatest things we can do for ourselves and for others. Now, I have been studying and teaching the Bible for such a long time now. I can't even, uh, you know, it's hard for me to believe that it's been uh, so long. But the thing that I find so interesting about myself today, as I am getting older and as, you know, like it just tends to happen with age, your memory uh, isn't what it used to be. And, and it's even more difficult today to memorize than it was when I was younger. Um, but, but I think of how today I still have lodged in my memory, I still have things that I learned 40 years ago. And they, they, they have stuck with me. They've been with me for all of these decades. And that is just, you know, where you, where you see how uh, scripture memorization is such a key part of our lives as believers. And this is the reason why. And remember, I said that... Um, that you're, you know, when you're memorizing scripture, you're doing something for yourself, but you're also doing something for others. Why? Because number one, scripture works to sanctify us. You see, it's through God's word that the transformative work of the spirit takes place. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 17, as he's praying there for the disciples and he's praying for even us because he's praying for those who would believe in him uh, because of their word. And he says, um, he says this in the prayer. He says, Father, sanctify them through your truth. And then he adds this, your word is truth. And so sanctification are, and, and sanctification is the, uh, it's the work of being set apart and being conformed more into the image of Jesus. That happens through the influence of God's word. So scripture works to sanctify us. Scripture directs us. We get direction for our lives from scripture. We get, sometimes it's a, it's a general picture of what God wants for our lives. But from scripture, we will get sometimes very specific direction as well. It's amazing how God can take his word. And in some cases from thousands of years ago, and he can speak a word that will give direction for our lives and as we follow that direction, we find that's exactly where we needed to go. And it's exactly what God had planned for us. So it sanctifies us, it directs us, and it defends us from the enemy. So we have an enemy. We have an adversary. And he is the devil. And and the devil is always working to try to undermine the work of God in our lives. How do I uh, defend myself against the devil? Well, it's through the word. And remember, Paul says when he's talking about the, the topic of spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, you know, he's put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, the plotting, the wiles of the devil and what does he say there? He says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So it's through God's word that we are able to defend ourselves from the enemy. But also, so that's, so that's how, uh, you know, scripture impacts us. But then 
it also, scripture memorization is going to uh, help you minister to others as well. Why? Because scripture, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, scripture speaks edification, encouragement, and comfort. And so scripture edifies people. And the, the word edify means it builds them up. And so the, the scriptures, as I hide the scriptures in my heart, and then I'm able to communicate them to other people, God will use me to build other people up. But then not only does scripture uh, edify, it encourages. And you know the word encourage, do you know that that word, it means the idea, think of the word courage for a moment. And um, it means to, um, to strengthen with courage. That's the idea of encouragement. And this word here could also be translated um, exhortation. Sometimes it's, it's translated that way, to exhort. And uh, to exhort is to encourage, but it's, uh, it's a little bit stronger. It's to, it's to um, you know, like, hey, come on. You know, we can do this. Come on, you can do this. It's that sort of a thing. And the word of God does that. It comes to us and it, and it speaks that, that encouragement to us where maybe we're discouraged. Maybe we're without courage. And the word of God comes along and it bolsters us up and it strengthens us. And the word of God also comforts. And so it's through the scriptures that comfort comes. And, and we're able, uh, because of the comfort that God gives us, as Paul says in writing to the Corinthians, because of the comfort we've received, we're able, as we hide God's word in our hearts, we're able to comfort other people as well. And boy, we live in a world that is so brutal and so many challenges and so many painful things. And to be able to come along because we've hidden God's word in our heart and to bring comfort to people, to, um, to build them up and to, and to strengthen them and to comfort them. You see, as I hide God's word, I then am able to do that. And then finally, just about scripture, we need to remember this. Scripture is either um, the gospel itself of course, the gospel, the good news, is contained in Scripture, and it's all over Scripture. So Scripture is either <clears throat> the gospel itself, or it is a signpost to the gospel, and the gospel is the power of God to salvation. And this is where hiding God's word in our heart has application, um, not just to comfort and encourage and to build up believers, but it also has the power to impact unbelievers. You see, because as we hide God's word in our heart, and as it, it, um, you know, it shapes the way we think and the way we view things, and it shapes the way we speak to people. And as we speak the things of God to people, these, the, there's power in those words. And those words, like I said, either we're speaking just the, the clear gospel message in some cases, and in other cases, we are, uh, the words we're speaking, like I said, are signposts to the gospel. So um, as, as we talk about things and people hear something and they say, hmm, that's different, 
uh, and, and it's pointing in a certain direction. Uh, I saw my friend, Miles Mar- uh, McPherson, did an interview this past week uh, with Anderson Cooper on CNN. And Miles um, uh, posted that clip and I watched it last night and it was, it was beautiful. And here it, it's a good illustration of what I'm talking about because Miles did not have an opportunity in that moment to spell out the gospel, you know, in, in a very clear, you know, three, five point fashion. But what he did do is he was speaking the word of God. He was speaking about the fact that all people are created in the image of God, regardless of skin color and so forth. And he was talking about loving one another. And all of these things are, are aspects of the gospel, right? They're, they're truths from God's word. And at the end of that brief conversation that he had with Anderson Cooper, uh, it, was, it was really interesting how Anderson Cooper sort of paused. He sort of, um, you know, he kind of looked up and, and then he said to Miles, he said, you know, I think I'd like to visit your church. And of course, Miles said, well, here it is, uh, Rock Church, San Diego. You know, he told them all about it really quickly. But that's what I mean about a signpost. <clears throat> so as Miles is sharing these truths from God's word, they're pointing to the ultimate truth of the gospel. And he was able to do that because God's word is hidden in his heart. He didn't have his Bible open in front of him, reading chapter and verse, but he has assimilated the word of God. And so he's able to do that. So that's why scripture memorization is so important. And again, take it from a person whose memory is not what it used to be, um, I'm so thankful that when I was younger that I did hide God's word in my heart. And I still want to do that. And I'm still making an effort to do that. And nowadays what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get the fullest picture. So uh, I'm not simply using the one version that I've used for most of my uh, life and ministry, but I've, I've um, branched out into using different versions and even trying to remember certain texts from the other versions as well, just because sometimes it just gives a bit of a fuller uh, understanding. So, so that is my, uh, that is my introduction. And that is really the, the essence of what I wanted to say today. So what we're going to do is we're just going to walk back through just for a couple of minutes. I want to try to, um, be on time here and uh, not, not get too distracted. And like I said, it's not exhaustive. There, there are other verses here in Philippians that we could look back on. But, but I just picked these. Um, I ended up with eight. Uh, I was trying to do seven because seven is the perfect number, but uh, I ended up with eight. So we're just gonna walk back through these verses. I wanna read them. And, and what I'm doing is I wanna encourage you to memorize these verses. Uh, how do you memorize? Well, there's different ways of doing it. it. A good place to start is highlighting it, underlining it in your Bible. What I used to do is um, back in the days when you took you know, little three by five cards and I would actually just write out the scriptures that spoke to me, write them out on the three by five card, stick them in my pocket and I would carry them with me. And I would, um, you know, throughout the day, I would just take a few minutes and I would, I would read through them. And that went a long way. Uh, to help me with memorization. Some scriptures came easy to memorize just because they so impacted me. It was like the words were just, you know, imprinted on my brain. 
what I generally do now is I have my phone and my phone has, I have an iPhone and so I have my little note application there. So what I do now is I take out and I write a note on my phone uh, for a passage that I might want to work on memorizing. And then I can go back and I can bring that up and, and look at that. So, um, so but, but let's go right here. Uh, Philippians 1.6. This, again, this is a, a passage that uh, I think I learned very early on in my Christian life, but it's a great word. Being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Wow, that is such a great word of assurance, isn't it? And how many times I can uh, even myself think of the times that I've had to to recall this passage just uh, by way of reminder that God's gonna complete what he started in my life. Uh, God is not one to start a project and then at some point become disinterested in it or at some point become distracted by other things or at some point just to decide, you know, I, I don't know why I took on this project. I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to finish it. That's not God. God finishes what he starts. And so what did he start? He who has begun a good work. And Paul could say to the Philippians, I am confident of this very thing. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? It is so good to know. And you know, there, there are other passages that are, um, that are parallel. And so sometimes it's great when you get a passage like this to also go to some of the parallel passages in different places and commit them to memory as well. So here's another great one in Hebrews uh, it tells us that uh, Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. So it's basically saying the same thing, right? Uh, he began a good work. He's the author. He's going to complete it. He's the finisher of our faith. So that is a great verse to commit to memory. Verse 21 of chapter 1, again, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Wow. What a... What a I, I mean, you think about this verse, and it's such a it's such a great verse on purpose, and it's a great verse on hope. So purpose is for me to live as Christ. What is life about? Well, life for the Christian is about Christ, ultimately and primarily. And so like Paul said, when I think about life, what, what is life to me? Life is Christ. And everything about my life, I want it to point in the direction of Christ. I want it to be centered on Christ. I want it to revolve around Christ. That's what the Christian life is about. It's not like uh, I'm a Christian and now I've taken and I've added Jesus into my life with the many other things that I'm also involved in and interested in. And, you know, Jesus just comes along and he's just another piece in the, in the big picture of what my life is about. Now, some people try to do that. 
but that's not the way it works. It can't work that way because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is our maker. He's our, he created us and he's not going to settle for being 10th or 5th or even 2nd. Um, uh, he's got to be number one in our lives. And that's what to live as Christ is speaking of, but then to die is gain. So for Paul, what, a, what an amazing hope. And remember, as we studied this, remember Paul was in prison when he wrote this and he was not certain that he was going to ever get out of prison. He was well aware of the fact that he might have been condemned to death. And yet he wasn't at this point, he was later. But for Paul, it was to die is gain. To die is gain because to die is to enter into the fullness. I was reading this morning uh, 1 Corinthians 15 as I was just finishing up my reading through 1 Corinthians. And that, those great passages in 1 Corinthians 15 about the resurrection. But the one that I love so, so much, it says, as we have borne the image of the earthly man, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. To die is gain. We, we are transformed totally and completely into the image of the heavenly man who is Christ. Um, let, let's move on into chapter two. And um, this is that great passage in chapter two, verses five through seven. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And remember, Paul is, to the Philippians here, he's talking to them about, you know, there was some selfish ambition. There was some... Uh, self-interest uh, to the neglect of the interest of others and things. Paul's, Paul's saying, let's not have that among us. Let's actually have the mind of Christ. And so the mind of Christ is what? Being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. I love it. One of my favorite passages. But let me, let me read it to you from the NIV. And this is where I was saying earlier about um, kind of enhancing your uh, understanding of Scripture through using some uh, additional versions. And um, the, the NIV translates this passage in a way that I think is extraordinary. I actually think it is the best translation there is of uh, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7. And let me read it. And th this is one that I have, even in my older age, I've committed myself, I'm going to memorize this one. Because when I, when I refer to Philippians 2, I want to refer to it in the way the NIV does. It says this, having the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, oh, I love that, it's so clear, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Wow, that just makes it so clear what Paul is calling us to. Jesus, who was God, but he didn't use his position for his own advantage. Another translation, the, uh, the Christian Standard Bible says that he didn't uh, use his position to exploit others. No, he didn't use it for his own advantage, but rather what he did is he um, 
even though that's who he was in very nature, God, he humbles himself and he takes upon himself the form of a servant. And so Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And man, this is something we need to remember because as Christians, we are part of a, of, of a family. We're part of the body of Christ. It's a universal body. We relate and interact and connect and live alongside and work alongside of one another. And if there's selfish ambition, if there's pride, if there's conceit, those are the things that are going to make life um, miserable. And, and this is the way to live life in the context of your own home, in the context of your uh, community, in the context of your job, and in the context of your uh, fellowship, the church that you're in. So let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Then in the second chapter, we also have that great passage there in verses 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And, and these, these verses here are, again, they're so amazing because on the one hand, they tell us our responsibility, but on the other hand, they assure us that God is going to give us what we need to do the thing that he calls us to do. So what does he call us to do? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, the idea there is with, with reverence and awe. You know, we stand in awe of the Lord. We revere him and he saved us and he's put his life in us. And now we are to work out what God has worked in. And we do that by seeking the Lord, by meditating on his word, hiding it in our hearts, obeying it, living out these things as the opportunities arise to serve and to do these uh, different things, to love and forgive and, and all of that. That's, that's working out of the salvation that he's worked in. But then the great um, reminder that we're not doing this on our own, but it is God who is working in us. God is working in us and both to will and to do. That's so powerful because what it's telling us is that God is not just giving us the strength to do it. God is changing our hearts by the power of his spirit in such a way as to give us the will to do it, the, the desire to do it. You know, there are some cases where we know what we're supposed to do and yet we don't, I don't want to do that. But as God works in you, he changes our wills. He changes our hearts. And sometimes that happens immediately. And sometimes it's through a process. And so we have to be patient with one another because it is a process. But remember that God is working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Like I said, this is the, uh, the, the human responsibility. Work out your own salvation the divine element, God is working in you to will and to do. It's sanctification is a cooperative thing. Uh, justification, which brings us into a right relationship with God, is only cooperative in as much as I have to say, um, save me. That's, that's my part in justification. Save me, Lord. <laughs> uh, I'm a sinner. That's it. But when it comes to sanctification, which is the like I said earlier, it's the life of Christ being formed in us. It's being made more like Jesus as time goes on. 
Um, this is where we cooperate with the Lord. We work at it. We check our uh, attitudes and our thoughts and our behaviors, and we say, that is um, that needs to change. And then we fall back on the Lord. Lord, help me to help me to change because you're working in me to will and to do of your good pleasure. And then we'll jump into chapter three, just one verse from chapter three. And th there were many other verses, like I said, that we could have looked at. But here's that great uh, verses 13 and 14. Um, Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is one of the great and amazing things about the Christian life is that God, by his grace, he forgives us so thoroughly of our sins and our failures that we can forget the things that are behind. We can forget the things that are behind. Never forget that the man who wrote this letter had formerly been a persecutor of Christians. Man, talk about having to possibly carry some baggage around because of your past. Paul had a past where he persecuted people who believed in the name of Jesus. He tells us that he actually compelled people to blaspheme. He cast his vote against people when they were put to death. That is serious baggage to have to carry around. But Paul understood how thorough the grace of God was. So he could, he could say, because he had learned to do it himself, forgetting the things that are behind. God's washed us so clean that we can move on. We don't have to lug that baggage around. We can just leave it behind. Forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the upward call of God pressing toward the goal. And again, this is that idea of putting forth effort that we don't just passively sit by and think that, um, oh, I'll just, you know, God will make me what he wants me to be in his time and uh, I don't have any involvement in it. No, no, we, we press toward. We, we really um, give ourselves over we're, we're reaching for the goal of the upward call of God in Christ. We're, we're striving, Lord, I want to be more like you. In our series through Philippians, um, from the previous verse, God working in you to will, will and to do, working out your own salvation, we talked about spiritual formation. And we can talk about it again here for just a quick second. Spiritual formation is um, letting God form us spiritually. And we do that by the intake of his word and prayer and those things, but then also by applying ourselves to certain disciplines that we do have a consistent time in God's word, that we do consistently pray, that we are uh, plugged in and engaged and part of the, of the family of God, that we're exercising our gifts and that we're serving in the body and in our community, that we're uh, sometimes we're fasting and sometimes we're, uh, you know, secluding ourselves to seek the Lord and, you know, the, these kinds of things. So that's what we're talking about here. What about the past? Forgetting the things that are behind. Now, chapter four, great passage. 
Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That is one of the greatest promises in the Bible, isn't it? Don't worry about anything, is the way the New Living Translation uh, starts it. Don't worry about anything. Instead of worry, instead of worry, pray. And let your request uh, be made known to God with thanksgiving. And then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. You know, there's many things that we could worry about. There's things that we can worry about personally. There's things that we can worry about as we look around us at the world that we live in. Um, but as Jesus said, who by worrying can change anything? Um, what do we do? No, we pray. We pray. And we can bring everything to God in prayer. And like I said, remember, we're talking here about memorizing these verses. Because when you start to worry, like I do, when I start to fret, when I start to stress out, what do I do? I remember, wait, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about everything, but pray. And these words come back to me and they remind me of what I am to do. Two more, really quickly. Uh, chapter four, uh, four verse 13, uh, we looked at this uh, and we, we looked at all the other ones, but um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What a great promise. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And of course, the context of this is I can do all things that, that Christ calls me to. Some people rip it out of context. Uh, you know, I've seen people who aren't even really following Christ, but they say, well, this sounds like a good promise. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay hold of this. I can win the championship through Christ who strengthens me, or I can uh, make a million dollars through Christ who strengthens me. Well, that's not the, the application. The application is I can, uh, whatever situation the Lord, you know, leads me into, however difficult, however challenging, um, I, can, I can handle it because Christ is the one who strengthens me. I can do all things. And in the context, Paul is saying, maybe you remember, he says, I know how to have a lot and I know how to have nothing. I know how to um, be prosperous and successful, and I know how to be humbled as well. He said, I can do all of that through Christ who strengthens me. And then the final one, and um, verse 19 of chapter four, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And and again, these these are the things that as we go through life, as we go through difficulty, as we go through times of, um, you know, maybe, maybe like right now, maybe, you know, financial hardship, and we wonder how are we going to make it? How are we going to survive? And we then, oh yeah, um, my God shall supply all of your needs, Paul says. And I can say, Lord, you're going to supply our needs. And you see, this is how God speaks back to us as we take his word and as we hide it in our heart, as we go through life, the Holy Spirit then takes and he brings that to us. You know, some people uh, don't feel like they should spend much time in the word. They've never thought to memorize the scripture. And then they say, you know, God never speaks to me. 
It's not because he doesn't want to. Uh, you haven't really given him the opportunity. But you find you get yourself in the word and you start committing scripture to memory. Maybe you're saying, but you know, I have the worst memory. Hey, don't worry about that. God is able. He's able to help you. You just put forth the effort. And, and then you will find that God is speaking to you all the time. Those scriptures are coming back to mind. You're in a, uh, the midst of something and all of a sudden you're like, boom, this passage comes to your mind. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do right here. That's, that's how God speaks to us and guides us through his word. So in closing and in finishing Philippians, um, I'm just uh, praying that, that we will all go away with the many, I think, great lessons we've learned about the power of the gospel, but then taking these truths and hiding them in our hearts so we can continue to move forward in our lives as Christians. Man, the world right now, it's always the case, but right now, I think it's a little more evident. Boy, the world needs Jesus. And the world needs the church to be the church, not the church that maybe it has been historically at times. The, the world needs the church to be the church that the Bible tells us about, the church that is the church of Jesus Christ, because Jesus is being seen in the church. And uh, as we let the words of Christ dwell richly in us, then the things we say and the things we do will show the world Christ because they will be his words and his life flowing out of us. So, Lord, we pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would help us, Lord, to hide your word in our hearts. Thank you for the great uh, time that we've enjoyed in going through Philippians together. And we pray that um, it wouldn't just be that we studied it and then we moved on and we forgot everything, but Lord, help us. And, and I pray for myself, Lord. I pray that uh, you would help me to continue to memorize your word and hide it in my heart. And I pray for all of those who are listening today, all of those who are watching today, uh, every one of us, Lord, that this would be um, our commitment, our commitment to hiding your word in our hearts. And so, Father, I also just want to pray your blessing upon your people today. Lord, I pray if there's a single person that's tuned in that doesn't know Christ, I pray that they would open their heart to receive you. And Lord, we do pray for peace upon our land. Lord, we pray that the, the protests would be peaceful. We pray, Lord, that the message would get across that needs to get across. Uh, but we pray, Lord, against the violence and we pray against the insanity that's kind of invaded this as well. And we ask, Lord, that you would bring calm, but not just bring calm, but Lord, bring the changes that are needed in our society um, so that we can indeed be a just and an equitable society before you. And Lord, we can't necessarily um, totally fix that on, on the level of government and that, but Lord, may it be uh, that in the church of Jesus Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, nor bond nor free, nor male nor female, nor uh, black nor white, nor brown, nor any of those things, but Lord, that we are all one in Christ. We recognize that, we honor and respect one another for that. And so help the church to lead the way in these days, in Jesus' name, amen.